From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast. As always, this podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations. EPR Creations partners with small businesses for website development and online strategy planning. If you have any need for an improved internet presence or just want to improve your marketing, call EPR Creations. Let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered Podcast. And also, while you're at it, go and sign the petition at showthesafeties.com, a small website that EPR Creations set up for me so that we can try to get uh, views of the of more of the football game so that we can see what's actually happening downfield a little bit more often rather than just being limited to the line of scrimmage and the quarterback. So we got a lot to talk about today. Florida State has hired its head football coach, announced today, actually I'm recording this on Sunday, uh, announced at uh, officially announced today at the 12 p.m. press conference, Mike Norvell, formerly of Memphis, widely regarded in uh, in coaching circles as a uh, as one of the top young minds in the game and uh, and highly thought of across the board. Uh, this is not a guy who's going to be headed, heading up any uh, any most overrated coaches lists anytime soon. Uh, but this is a guy who uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a lot to break down here, but. Uh, there's a lot to like about Mike Norvell. And I guess the first place to start is I'm actually not as familiar with Norvell as I am with some of the other coaches that we've talked about. I've, I've mentioned that uh, on some of the earlier discussions on this podcast. I'm not quite as familiar with Norvell as some of these other guys, uh, as, for example, Campbell or uh, or Brom, some of these others who I've, I've spent a little bit more time breaking down than others. But I did get I did take the opportunity to ask around a little bit and and it's worth bringing up two different conversations that uh that that should be brought in here. So first the first conversation is and it's actually a couple of conversations. I'll just kind of roll them into one. But the first conversation is there's a a a, a, a former AAC defensive coordinator that I, I think a lot of. I think he's a he's a, a good football mind. And, uh, I was talking to this, this, uh, this defense coordinator picking his brain a little bit. And this was, this was a month ago. This was right after Willie Taggart, uh, was fired. And, uh, and we were talking about the job and he said, yeah, you know, obviously that's your alma mater. What do you think is going to happen? I said, well, you know, I, I, I would really love for him to hire Matt Campbell and, you know, told him a little bit of why. And he said, yeah, you know, he, he knows Campbell and, and that staff well. And he said, yeah, you know, he's a great coach. He's a really terrific coach. I'm just not sure how good of a fit he would be at Florida state. Yeah, but you know, obviously you'll, 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 we'll see. And, um, and so, you know, I thought that was interesting and, you know, and, and some of the same reasons, by the way, that I'd mentioned in terms of, in terms of fit, uh, he's, you know, I'm not sure FSU is his best fit. Okay. Great coach though. Uh, and a couple of weeks later, I ended up talking to the, to, to, uh, the same coordinator again and, uh, and asked, asked around, asked him what he thought. And, and, uh, this time, and, and, and he said, you know, I, I think Mike Norvell is going to be the guy. It's like, well, why do you think that? And would it be a good hire? I mean, you know, I, I, obviously, uh, this guy had been in the AAC at the same time as Mike Norvell and had had to defend Norvell. So I said, you know, I actually come to think of it, you know, what, what do you think of that guy? Well, you know, if they do hire him, what do you think? He said, ah, well, <laughs> he's very creative. So here are a few things that he said. Number one, he is very creative at running the football. He finds ways to make it difficult on you as a defensive coordinator to try to stop all of the various angles that he's going to make you make you have to deal with in in, in the running game. He's going to force you to be accountable 
to defend every gap and he'll create new gaps. He's going to do a lot to c- cause you problems in the running game. Uh, and then he said, also, I think he'd, he'd, he'd just be a great fit. He said, uh, you know, he thinks that based on the kind of players that he was able to get into Memphis, uh, and he said, look, you know, when, when I was uh, in the AAC and we played against him, it was obvious that that guy's players absolutely love him. He absolutely wins his players over. He loves his players. His players love him, uh, and he'll do a good job. You get put him in the same with you know the same kinds of players. Just culturally speaking, Florida State's going to get a lot of the, the same kinds of players. This coach was saying that that you know, but more talented than what you're going to get compared to what you're going to get at Memphis. And then he brought up. He said, "Look, to beat Clemson, I think you have to be a team that can shorten the game first of all." and find creative ways to run it against what Venables does defensively. You have to be creative in the running game. And he said, I, I think he's a, a, gr- a good fit for that. He's a good fit for the program. I think he's a really smart guy. So that's what he, that's what he said. And then I, I reached out to him again after, after uh, Norvell was hired. And I got, a, I got a message back saying, he's a really good coach. He's going to be a great fit. Uh, and then obviously going to be really interested to see what kind of staff he puts together. That was the next thing. So, and then we, we talked a little bit more uh, off the record on that, but that, that is, that tells you a lot about, about Norvell just right there, that one of the fellow, one, one of the people who had coached against him as a defensive coordinator brought him up and said, look, I think that guy ultimately is probably the guy Florida state will hire, should hire. I think he's a great hire, great fit there. And, just scheme wise and approach wise, philosophy wise, he fits with what Florida State needs. So, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do more of a deep dive, and once I get some access, once I get more uh, more opportunity to uh, to see some of the all 22 of Norvell's games. I mean, I, to be honest, I've still not watched a full Memphis game. Uh, even this weekend, I've been sick as a dog. You can probably hear it in my voice, uh, and uh, didn't didn't watch the entire. Memphis Cincinnati game, which was kind of an ugly game anyway. Uh, and you know, it's not an all 22, so I couldn't really break it down the way that I would want anyway. So once I get more of a chance to break down what they're doing, what he does, then I'll have more comments to say, but I will say this, that when I reached out to, when I've reached out to people in the coaching community who know more than I do, who've had a chance to, to be around Norvell, the feedback has been universally positive. I mean, it's been admiring it has been uh it has been glowing in the sense of this guy's a great fit for florida state this is this is exactly what they need you know he's a great mind he's good to work with etc and that says a lot because that is not the case with what i got in terms of willie taggart uh and and I'm not going to go in, go into all of that because I, I just don't think it's, it's, it's fruitful here. But I mean, we, you all are, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably aware that Taggart, when he first got the Florida state job was voted the most overrated college, uh, coach in college football by his peers, uh, you know, in one of those uh, polls that Athlon or somebody did and Norvell's not going to end up on one of those lists. Uh, I, that that much is obvious talking to some of these guys in the coaching community. So another uh, another one that I should bring up is uh, a uh, is I, I uh, there's another coach who I really respect. Somebody who scheme wise, in terms of scheme mind and all of that, is a 
is a better, he's a better mind than I am at this point, uh, for sure. Uh, and somebody that I trust in the coaching community, somebody that I, I go to, to say, Hey, you know, I am seeing this, what are you seeing? Uh, you know, and, and, and can, can learn from on, and I'm looking now at our text message conversation here. Uh, (laughs) he texted me on the 8th of November saying Norvell, that would be my pick at, at Florida state. And then I responded, I think he's on their list of candidates. Why would he be your pick? And then his response was, he's super successful, has churned out a ton of assistant coaches that took big jobs, and I imagine some of them would return to the fold if he was at FSU. He's also sustained success with Saban-esque hits to his staff. Tons of guys rise and leave at Memphis, and his system is built on speed, and he could get a ton of that speed to stay in Florida. So... That's another coach that, I mean, these are people in the coaching community. These are people who've spent, you know, who, who know Mike Norvell or have spent time with him or have coached against him, who have broken his stuff down in ways that I haven't. And that, so I was sold and, and, and you'll remember, uh, going back in, in our, in the podcast episodes, you know, I've been on the, on the Campbell train. Campbell would be, would be my preference. Uh, would have been my preference, but I, I admitted that I was biased there, partly because I, uh, you know, I've spent time with Matt Campbell, and I knew that look, that's a guy who's going to be a quality coach. The floor on him is super high, and he's he's an elite mind. He's an elite leader, and that's the kind of guy that you want in the program. Then, I but I but at the same point, I said, look, I'm hearing really positive things. Another person had some very another person I trust had some very positive things to say about PJ Fleck. And I know, by the way, that Florida State talked to P.J. Fleck almost immediately after Willie Taggart was was interviewed, but ultimately they uh, they actually passed on Fleck. Uh, they Fleck was not higher on their list. Uh, I know this because uh, there, there's a friend of mine who's well connected with him who said Fleck basically when he talked to Florida State, Florida State made it you know, basically said we're talking to another guy that we think we're gonna we're gonna have, uh, and you know, but but we were interested in, you know, basically him as a, as, as a, maybe a number two or number three candidate. And that was where Fleck basically said, well, screw it. I'm going to go and sign my contract. So, uh, so this was, this is apparently how that, that went down. So Florida state, depending on exactly how that works, Florida state actually preferred my, uh, Mike Norvell to Fleck. And again, the, the, the contacts in the coaching community that I got that, that actually volunteered their thoughts on this told me that they actually preferred uh, Norvell to, to anybody else, let alone just a fleck. But my preference, as I'd mentioned, would have been Matt Campbell, because look, I know that guy. I know I, I, you know, I've, I've been in the room with him. I know what I think of him. Uh, and then fleck, I'd, I'd heard really positive things about, and I mentioned that I'd heard some positive things about Norvell. So those were guys that, you know, among the guys that are not huge names because they're winning at power five places like a James Franklin, uh, those were the guys that really were the tier one guys for Florida State to hire here, and they got one of them. They got Mike Norvell. Now, in many respects, Norvell was also the cheapest because he had a five hundred thousand dollar buyout, so you know, not not a not a huge huge deal. Also, his uh, his his contract, he really wanted to coach at Florida State and was willing to take a uh, lower base pay initially with more incentives. Uh, because he believes that he can he can win and he's going to build the program the way that he wants and he'll get his money on the back end, uh, and he was willing to do that, which further reinforces you know that he's he fits what Florida State wants right now, but uh, but ultimately I think the uh, 
the 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 thing about Norvell that just keeps sticking out to me is the positive the positivity about him among those that have been around him or that that are in the coaching community. Uh, and that that says that says something to me. I also should mention I reached out to Dave Bartu, who uh, was, as you'll recall, I'd, I'd mentioned back when Willie Taggart was hired that uh, there is the head of a uh, coaching search advisory firm that had told me before Taggart was hired that Taggart would not have been in his top 25 recommendations for Florida State, that he thought it was a huge mistake uh, and that Florida State would regret that hire. Uh, I, I remember a number of people got really angry at me at the time for for reporting that. And you can go over and look at the Twitter thread uh, back in 2017, November of 2017, when I first reported that. But, uh, you know, Bartu's analysis, his his evaluation came out right. And honestly, I think Florida State should have hired Bartu and, and his uh, advisory firm uh, to uh, aid with this with this hire to begin with. But when I actually reached out to Bartu and said, you know, what do you think? I mean, I, I don't know Norvell as well. What, what, what are your thoughts? He actually, again, came back much more positively than I expected. I mean, Bartu tends to be a, uh, you know, he's a straight shooter. And his response was he grades high as a head coach and, off- and offensive coordinator, hired a good defensive coordinator this, uh, this year. And he said, uh, uh, he's an experienced head coach, not an OC or DC. Now, there's of course the uh, the some of the stuff that reportedly Arkansas uh, may have uncovered in terms of potential skeletons, but uh, but he didn't feel like that would be an issue. So uh, you know, he, he basically said so, there are so few big time hires out there that that Florida State needs to. He said Florida State's brass need to see that it's Florida State that makes the big time head coach. Smart Dabo Riley. Day, Franklin, Malzahn, Orgeron, they were not big-time hires. They were good coaches and then coupled with a big-time program and then became a big-time name. And he he felt that Norvell was one of those guys who coupled with a big-time program that was the right fit could become one of those big-time names. So, you know, this is... Uh, this is basically... The uh, uh, this is something that Bartu had almost exactly the opposite reaction to with Willie Taggart, where he said with Willie th- uh, that this would be a huge mistake, and with Mike Norvell, he said, "No, I, I think this is this is a guy that could be a really good, really good coach there." So that's three different reports that I've gotten that I got from people that were very positive about Norvell. So that makes me feel much more comfortable about the hire, even though I don't know as much about Norvell as I, as I know about a lot of other coaches, simply because I've not spent a whole lot of time looking at Memphis and, and, you know, all I know is reputation and highlights and, you know, watching pieces and halves of this game or that. And I've always felt like they were, you know, they were a well-coached team, but it's just, you know, the, the level of detail there is not as much, but again, that's where Fortunately, I've got a network of of some people that I trust that actually had more to say there. So, so that's a plus. And and reportedly, his uh, his strength and conditioning coach Josh Storms is also very very good and highly regarded. And uh, and you can expect him to uh, to be at Florida State as well. So, those are all really big positives. And I think uh, there's a lot to be excited about there if you're a, a Florida State fan. Uh, because when Dave Bartu is giving a guy his thumbs up, both as an offensive coordinator and as a head coach, that means his analytics have been very positive on that guy being above uh, an above average or well above average 
at both of those roles compared to the program average that he uh, of the pro, of the where where he is where he's at. And Bartu, remember, was the guy that one of the reasons he said that that Taggart was not in his top twenty five is he said that Taggart had a a reputation as a as an ace recruiter, but ultimately he had not out recruited the program averages where he'd been. Uh, you know, you could argue for the for the the class that he had at, at Oregon breaking that trend a little bit. Uh, that he had going, but he didn't actually finish that class. But at USF and at Western Kentucky, he actually had not recruited above the program historic program norms there. Uh, I think he'd done a good job evaluating, and that's that's a, a that's another thing. But in terms of overall recruiting rankings and all that, he hadn't outperformed. Norvell, however, he says has outperformed, and that's again he's outperformed every metric at the places that he's been as an offensive coordinator and as a head coach, and that's something that matters for. Uh, projecting this sort of thing. That's the sort of thing that, that, uh, Bartu does. And it's why if I were, uh, an AD, I would be making sure that I enlisted his help whenever, whenever making any hire. And if I were a head coach, I'd be enlisting his help making hires in terms of finding guys that were, uh, that, that, that fit the analytics, uh, that, that showed that this guy outperformed. But in any case, uh, those are all very positive testimonials to what this guy brings to the table. Now I do I have dug around some more and I have a little bit more that I can talk about in terms of what uh, what else uh, he brings, but we'll we'll save some of that for later. Uh, for now, I'll go ahead and thank my second sponsor. That's Lewis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida. Lewis isn't just a realtor; he's a trained photographer and videographer, which is really important. Now that about ninety percent of home buyers search online first, so you better have if you're putting your home on the market, you better have a successful online marketing plan. And he's going to have smooth walkthrough video. He's going to get drone footage, all of that stuff. If you're listing your house in the greater Jacksonville area, you need to list with Lewis. If you're trying to find a house in the greater Jacksonville area, you need to go through Lewis as well. Let him know you heard about him from the Unconquered podcast. All right. So a couple other things. Uh, I should note that that Norvell is is his own offensive coordinator, and he's a very, very good one. He is known as especially flexible. He has a very – he has a – he has his system – but his system is uh, much like Jimbo Fisher's in a lot of respects in that it's very customizable. Uh, he's going to maximize it to what his quarterback is able to do and some of the personnel. Uh, he might be a little more flexible even than Fisher is, and he definitely takes a more up-tempo, modern spread approach t- uh, to go with that. And it's no coincidence that Fisher's offensive coordinator right now who's working with Jimbo happens to be Dickey, who was actually with Norvell, at Memphis before Jimbo hired him away. So that tells you the kind of mind that he is in terms of one of his prior understudies is a guy that Jimbo Fisher thought enough of to go and and snatch from him. So that tells you something about the kind of flexibility and what you're going to get offensively. This is not simplicity that you're going to, this is not high school stuff that you get on offense. This is a legit offense. This is a, this is a full fledged, they're going to spread it, but they're going to have lots of different things that are in there they're going to require that their players actually be smart, and they're going to require that uh, that guys actually have a, a, a broader base uh, from which they can they can work. So that's number one. Number two is that it's his offense. Again, similar to Fisher in that he's going to run his offense, and he's going to be meticulous and hands on about what he does. Uh, and that's the other thing is that all of the reports about him are that he is meticulous and super organized about everything. And that is what Florida State needs right now. Florida State, more than anything else, needs organization and discipline on the football team side. And and 
word is from the people who've been around Norvell that those things fit him to the T, which is exactly, again, what Florida State needs. Uh, but it's going to be, he's going to run the offensive side of the ball. That's going to be what he does. And he's going to hire a defensive coordinator to be essentially the head coach on the defensive side. And to be honest, I would not be surprised if he hired Dan Lanning, who is Georgia's defensive coordinator under Kirby Smart right now. Why? Because two years ago, Dan Lanning was the defensive coordinator at Memphis under Mike Norvell before Georgia hired him away. Really good coordinator, but here's the thing. You can you can hire him at Florida State, and he's he's making seven fifty at Georgia. You can hire him for one million at Florida State and say, instead of coaching under Kirby, now it's your defense. You're you're the guy on that side of the ball if you want to do that. But that's the kind of that's the kind of hire that I would expect him to make. I mean, he's got a, a solid Rolodex of coaches that he's worked with. One of the other benefits of also being a younger coach who also was a was an assistant not that long ago is that he's a guy that's networked well at AFCA and all sorts of other places, and he knows a lot of the younger talent that's out there. Uh, that's one of the things that gets harder as you get to be an older coach who's been a head coach for longer is you have fewer guys that you came up with or fewer guys that you bounce stuff around with at, con- at conferences and all of that. But this is a guy that I, I think he's going to hire a uh, he's going to go out of his way to hire a top flight defensive coordinator and defensive coordinators will want to work with him. Word is, again, he's he's relatively easy to work with as as uh, meticulous head coaches uh, as as meticulous head coaches go. So. Uh, you know, that, that again is a, is a plus, uh, we'll, we'll see. I'll withhold judgment a little bit until I see exactly who he hires, but it's going to be really important to see who he hires as a staff. I mean, that's where Taggart really ultimately started going wrong is that he made some serious mistakes, uh, on that first staff. And the first mistake was, uh, was, was Hampton. And that's, that, that was the first thing that I called, uh, I called into question at the time at the, uh, back then, saying, you know, I don't agree with hiring a guy to be strictly a special teams coordinator and nothing else. Uh, you know, you're wasting a, a coaching spot. And it turned out that they not only wasted that spot because Hampton was a bad coach, but also because then he made a mistake and compounded that. And then they wound up a coach short the next year. So, you know, those are the sorts of mistakes that you you just don't, you're not going to expect from, from Norvell. Uh, but w- I, it is worth holding holding back on some of the excitement until... Uh, we see who he hires on his staff. Uh, I, I have been told that Odell Higgins will be retained and that he's going to be actually getting a raise. So, uh, so that that much is 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 one thing that I can report. And it is also possible that we'll see Ron Dugans retained as well, though that decision has certainly not been made yet. Uh, but we'll we'll see we'll see what what ends up happening. I do not, by the way, see Kendall Bryles and uh, and Clements staying sticking around on staff partly because again Norvell is going to run his offense and and it's he's going to run run things the way that he wants and and that's not really uh the arrangement that's going to make a lot of sense for for Kendall Bryles. I think Bryles will find a uh, another another gig and that that'll be an amicable part uh parting and that'll that'll be that. So looking uh then forward to the next thing we should talk about the opening press conference. And uh, I should preface this in that you can win the opening press conference and be a lousy coach. And, and in many respects, Willie Taggart, all you have to do is go back two years. And Willie Taggart, there was a tremendous amount of excitement after that first press conference where, you know, he's talking about badasses and war daddies and lethal simplicity and, you know, all of this stuff uh, that had people really excited and frothing at the mouth about 
the 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 new era at at Florida State. And heck, you know, as as much as I had uh, my my doubts and my concerns at the time, it goes to show exactly how much excitement that there was that I tried to tap into it with some of the, some of the merchandise that we put out through, uh, through the podcast. I mean, it was one of those things like, look, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I want to make sure I sell some, sell some product as well. And that was something that people wanted. So, you know, that tells you how much, how, how much you got to remember how much excitement there was for Taggart when he took over. Now that said, I do want I think it's it would be worthwhile for those of you listening to this to go and wa- rewatch. So if you've watched Norvell's introductory press conference, go back and rewatch Willie Taggart's immediately after. And I think you'll notice a stark difference. And it's something that, you know, I'd mentioned before uh, that I, I didn't think Willie Taggart was ever a uh, a dynamic presence. He was never he was never someone who was uh, a fiery or passionate uh, speaker. He was not someone who was a lively press conference or interview. Uh, frankly, I mean, there were times where, uh, in his press conferences, it, it kind of came off as someone who'd, uh, popped a couple Xanaxes or Quaaludes or something and came out and w- was talking because he's just much more, uh, low key. I mean, that's just who he is. He's more introverted and he's just not that kind of, of speaker in presence, uh, which we talked about before Jimbo Fisher is certainly that Bobby Bowden is certainly that Taggart never was and, 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 and isn't. And, and again, that's just a difference in style. It's not a, a, a personal flaw, uh, but it is something that does matter when it comes to sustaining your, uh, your message and, and being able to, to ultimately convince people that you are a top shelf, a top level uh, coach and and some when when it comes to to persuading the boosters, for example, that you're highly competent, that's the sort of thing that that it does matter. And if you watch Norvell's uh, press conference, his opening press conference, there are a couple things. And and like I said, I want to preface this by you can win the press conference and it not matter if you don't make great hires, if you don't have your team prepared on the opening day of the next year, you know. What you can't do is you can't lose the press conference, right? You don't want to lose the opening press conference, but because I mean, really, you should never lose that opening press conference. But you know, Norvell hit a grand slam in his press conference, and and so that's that's a plus, you know. And and now you know, hopefully, he does as well in handling the uh, the first off season as as Taggart did. Taggart could not have handled that first off season much better in terms of building excitement and all of that. Well, Norvell's coming into an even harder situation than, than, than Taggart did. There's less talent on the roster and, you know, he's not going to have the same level of excitement built, but he, he's going to have some different tasks in terms of managing expectations and making sure that he's repairing relationships and, and keeps the money flowing, that sort of thing. Uh, and this gave every indication that he should be able to do that and that he should be able to win the off season. Uh, and that's, that's a big deal. Uh, one thing that stood out to me, and, and I talked to another uh, former player uh, who was at the press conference. Uh, we talked on the phone as he was on his way back, and it, he made a comment. He said, "Look, you know, I'm not real. I'm not much of a raw raw guy, and I, I'm not either. I mean, I don't really get uh, fired up by you know yelling or screaming or whatever." But uh, he said, "One one thing that I do notice is when you can talk for 45 minutes and give all and and, and and really look sharp and talk smoothly and dynamically 
about your vision and about the program and about all these other things for 45 minutes without notes, I notice that. And go back and look. I mean, I think he does have a little bit of notes in front of him there for the beginning part as a reminder to, uh, to on who he's going to thank and all of that. But then he gets into some other stuff and he's clearly, he's just going. This is a guy who's really sharp. And that that stood out to me. I mean, you're talking about a guy who uh, was able to uh, to get into specific details about his vision and about how he uh, how he how what he believes and the the uh, the direction that he wants to go and did all of this again. You would hope that a guy would be able to do this without notes, but he did all of this without notes and without a hitch. And I tell you what, you could see it was really interesting that you could see when he went, he, he, he got out of that opening part of the statement where he was talking about, you know, thanks to the various people who, who hired him. Thanks. He thanked God. Thanks to, you know, the people who hired him, thanked Memphis, thanked the city of Memphis, thanked his former coaches, all of that stuff. And then all of a sudden he transitioned to all the past Seminoles, to former players, to Letterman. And he began to do that. And that's where all of a sudden he, his tone changed. And I went, Oh wow. Huh? So he actually, because that was something that in in watching a few interviews and all of that, one of the things I wanted to know is like, does he have the fire? Does he have the ability to turn on that level, that, that passionate charisma that you've got to have to be, to be able to deliver your, your, uh, your vision at this level to your players and, and through the organization to, to show exactly who you are. Does he have that? Does he have that that it switch where that he can flick and say, "Yeah, this is who we're going to be," and you want, you're going to want to follow me through that door. You're you're and and be able to turn on that motivation, and he turned it on just like that. Went, oh, okay. Well, that box is checked because all of a sudden his passion for how he wants to run the program and all of those things came out. All of a sudden his. Uh, he he sort of flipped the switch to uh, to almost a, a preacher mode to where he began to preach a sermon on this is what I believe. Here's what we're going to do to my current players. I'm going to be I'm going to begin to do this. And he, as he said, the current players, he said, the first thing I got off, I didn't rush to come here. I went to see them. And word is that meeting was a very good one. So, and again, I, I, watching this press conference, I, I can imagine that he had those players uh, bought in pretty quickly because the passion can't be faked. Like you can be excited, but not passionate. There's a certain degree of passion and vision that can't be faked. And that's part of the CEO thing that I like to talk about that in order to be a successful power five head coach, you have to, you have to be able to, to, to be a, a CEO. You have to be able to represent your vision you have to be able to recruit top talent at, below you as middle management and also as players and all of that. And you have to be able to get other people to buy in. And that's a lot of what a, a CEO does. And you can't do that without a certain degree of passion. And, you know, passion can come off in different ways. I mean, you don't have to be loud about it or whatever. And I, I get the impression that he's not a yeller exactly like Fisher is, for example. Uh, but he's a passionate guy and you can see the passion. You can see the fire 
that's there. And that's something that, that players will gravitate to. That's something that, that as guys see that they'll buy in and say, okay, this guy, this guy believes he's a true believer and I can, I can get behind that. It'll be interesting to see how many players actually go into the transfer portal, how many players leave. How, I mean, obviously, there, there's going to be some that'll move on. There'll be some that'll be encouraged to move on. There's going to be some that'll go pro and should, and some that probably shouldn't and still will. But it'll be interesting to see how many he gets to buy in right away. Because again, I think the uh, the the fire is there, and you know this is uh, <laughs> you could see. And and I'm looking at the transcript right now. He said, uh, you know, we understand the process. We understand the work that's going to go into it. But I can tell you, you chose the right man to come be a part uh, uh, to be a part and to lead this program because we're going to work on that each and every day and all that we do. And he, he, he talked about his uh, his approach is we're going to bring a new age approach to everything we do with old school values and an old school philosophy. And when he when he talked about his philosophy, he, he didn't have something that said do something. No, no, no. This was not that he had a very clear idea of what he believed should be done. And that is, he said, this is my, this is my, uh, the saying that I like to use how you do anything in this world is going to be how you do everything. And then he continued, we're going to approach everything with a championship mindset, a championship approach with championship values of doing things the right way. This program is going back to the top. We're going to take it one day at a time, step by step because of the foundation that's been laid, it gives us a great opportunity. So I thank all the former players, so on. So what he's emphasized, and and I thought it was interesting in his, in his, uh, in his presser, he didn't talk about results so much. He talked about, you know, we want to get to a certain standard, but what he kept talking about was process. He, He talked repeatedly about this is going to be a program where you have to work for everything. It's going to be a program that's built off of true core family values of service, sacrifice, and respect because we have an iconic brand. We have a special opportunity. So, you know, and he, he repeated that a few times, but this whole thing about this is going to be a process that, uh, that, that we understand the process. We understand the work that's going to go into it, but I can tell you, you chose the right man, et cetera. Uh, and then he got into, we're going to be a football team that's going to play with a certain focus, with a certain pride, understanding what we stand for and what we represent. And then there were shots fired a little bit. Our Seminole team is going to play smart. I believe that's one of the most important things I must do as a football team and as a football program. We're going to have a football team that's focused on discipline, on structure, on making sure that we can be innovative in our approach schematically, but we also have a football team that understands the importance of the knowledge that they have. Many people talk about playing fast. We're going to do that. But if you don't play smart, man, you can play fast going in the wrong direction, and you're going backwards. We're going to have a team that understands that our knowledge will be our greatest talent, then we're going to play fast because of the confidence of who we are, what we do, how we train, and the unbelievable skill that we're going to recruit here to be able to showcase these great players and individuals. We're going to have a football team that plays physical. Toughness is going to be displayed every single day, not only physically, but mentally. Okay, that, you know, I, I can give, this is, that's Florida State's DNA right there. And then he said, you're going to see toughness displayed in special teams. Of all things, to single out in your opening presser is special teams. I believe that's the backbone of your program. People can talk about offense and defense, but if you want to see a team that has tremendous culture, tremendous passion, tremendous belief in each other, watch them on special teams. And I I completely agree with that. That is 
and you know, that's the stuff that gets me fired up as a, as a coach is this is a cultural thing about building toughness, about building a smart team. And, and what he's saying about the importance of, of discipline and structure and all of that aspect that has been lacking, that's where he, he placed the emphasis. So that's a good thing. And I don't think that this is just a matter of like somebody told him like you need to emphasize these points in your press conference. I think this is his DNA. And that's Florida State's DNA. So so that's a big deal. Uh, he also did a good job of handling how quickly can you take the program back to that cha- uh, ca- championship caliber. And he said, right now my focus is going to be on our personnel immediately, making sure we can bring the best co- coaching staff. Uh, and then secondly, well, you know, all of our focus is going to be on today being the best we can possibly be with this step in front of us. We'll take care of tomorrow when that, when it gets here, trying to do the exact same thing again, process focused. That's how you win. So those are all positive things that I'm, 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 I'm pleased about. Uh, but again, all of these things are, are all this goes to say that he did not lose the opening press conference and that, that the, the things that I'd been told by other people seem to be validated by what he had to say. So, uh, so that there's reason for optimism here. Uh, you know, I think he's a, he's, he's proven that he's, he's a quality offensive mind. Uh, but now the question is, who is he going to hire? And he brought that up himself. He said, we've got to make sure we do that. So, uh, he, you know, and interestingly, he said he did actually, because they played a common opponent, ULM, uh, he said they got to see a little bit of that. He looked at that film already earlier in the season, uh, and uh, by the way, Memphis beat ULM 52 to 33, uh, significantly easier time with ULM than, than Florida State had. Uh, but uh, because, because of that, he'd had, a, had an opportunity to, uh, to take a look at, at personnel already there. But, um, but yeah, so I think looking forward, the conclusions that we can draw from this are that they did make a good, I think it's a good hire. Uh, we're going to have to wait to see how good a hire it is based on who he's able to attract as a, as a coaching staff without a top flight coaching staff. He's, he's not going to succeed at Florida state. He's going to have to attract some top level, top level guys, and he's going to have to attract guys who can recruit the state of Florida as well. Uh, I know that Silverfield, his, his offensive line coach is originally from Jacksonville uh, and is one of the better offensive, offensive line coaches, run game coordinators in the country. He's also a possible hire for the Memphis job to replace Norvell. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I mean, it would be great if he wound up in, in, in Tallahassee, but you know, it's possible that he doesn't, but either way, he's going to have to hire some guys that can recruit the state of Florida. He's going to have to hire some top assistants for this to really be a position where everybody's ready to be optimistic, or at least I, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, and then beyond that, the other thing that, that is going to be really critical here is he's going to have to make sure that he digs his heels in for all the stuff that he's going to have to fight for at Florida state. He's going to have plenty of money to hire a top staff, but the real issue, the real thing that, that, that he's going to have to break through on is support staff. He's going to have to have, it's imperative that Florida state has a recruiting coordinator. Uh, and it's, he's got, they've got to have a director of player personnel, an assistant director of player personnel, a director of high school relations, You've got to have a, a, a like a chief of staff, somebody to be organization. You know your your football, uh, your director of football operations. You got to have all of those jobs, and then you got to have lieutenants below them. 
in your support staff to make sure that the organization runs well. And Florida State's been too small in that regard. They they don't ha- they've not had that support. Taggart didn't have it. Taggart wasn't able to get it from Florida State. And in, in many respects, Taggart didn't demand it from Florida State. And they made some serious that the Taggart staff made some serious mistakes, believing that because it was Florida State, they could win with a USF type operation at Florida State. But you've got to have the recruiting office like what Clemson or Alabama or Georgia do. You, you just do. You can't do it otherwise. You can't compete with those programs without with, without the the institutional support. And he's going to have to identify some of those organizational roles and who he can put in them. And it's a good thing, by the way. Bob Lasavita is back in the in the football office. It's uh, it, you know that's a start. But they need to make sure that they have some of those other roles in place. They need to have great people around. He needs to find great people around him, not just for the on-field coaching positions, but the off-field stuff. And again, I've been at Clemson. I I know people on their support staff. I've spent a a decent amount of time uh, with some of the folks on their support staff, with their assistant director of player personnel and all of these other things. And the number of people that they have in those roles is really, first of all, it's impressive and secondly, it's critically important to, to the kind of organization that they have. And Florida State's miles behind there. And Norvell is going to have to stand, stick his feet in the ground and make sure that he gets what he needs from Florida State in those respects and in some others. And that remains to be seen. Because if he doesn't get some of that support, if they don't have some of that extra help, they're not going to succeed at Florida State, even with him being a really good coach. Again, he's got a really good reputation. He's a, a, apparently a grinder, and uh, he's going to, he, you know, I think Florida State made a good hire. Now the question is, will they get him the support that he needs to be uh, the best the best coach possible and ultimately to turn the program around to where it needs to be? All right. Well, we, I'm going to go ahead and wrap here. I'm going to thank my third sponsor. That is Garage Makeovers from South Florida. If you have any need for polyaspartic flooring, overhead storage, cabinet shelving, slot wall, accessories, anything like that, and you're in South Florida, give Nathan a call. Let him know you heard about him from the Unconquered Podcast. Also want to thank all of my Patreon supporters above the Bleach Numbers level. That is Keith Cheney, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, Brian Leninger, Travis Smith, and Bert Bertoldi. And I'm not sure exactly when I'll do the next podcast, but if I find out anything more, if there's anything more worth uh, talking about here, I'm sure there'll be a re- some recruiting updates to to talk about, and, uh, and, and we'll go with that. And it's worth noting that Norvell, we'll see how good a recruiter he is right away, because if... Signing day were today, Sunday. Uh, Sims, the quarterback recruit, Jeff Sims would be uh, signing with Georgia Tech. So uh, they've got uh, they've got an uphill battle to uh, to climb to get Sims back, and we'll see if he buys into what Norvell is selling. But that'll tell us a lot about Norvell as a recruiter is whether or not he's able to get Sims to uh, not decommit from Florida State and go to uh, Georgia Tech, but rather to stick with Georgia, stick with Florida State and uh, give them their first high school quarterback recruit in three years. Uh, but that that'll that'll give us a good indication. So that said, this has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this. <laughs>